life is different in the front row. You get close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that light you up. There's so many things about living life in the front row that are wonderful metaphors for how we approach life. You don't always get to choose your seat, but you do always get to choose whether or not you have a front row experience. I think that the spirit of living a front row life is one where you show up, you step up, and you speak up. Showing up for people in the most important times of their life, when they need you most. I can also choose the way I show up no matter what seat I get. The other part of it is when you are somebody that's willing to live in a way where you are stepping up and speaking up, you are boldly expressing what's within you to the world through fear. You still do this. That is a front row life. John Froman is one of the greatest human beings I've ever had the good fortune to get to know. In his national role with Cutco Vector, John was responsible for creating memorable experiences for people throughout the company. He founded Front Row Foundation to be able to bring this spirit of moment-making for people with life-threatening illnesses. Throughout his life, he has shared his philosophies and strategies with people all over the world. John recognizes that life is made up of moments and that by choosing to live life in the front row, we can make the most of our moments and we can help others around us to do the same. This is a must-listen episode that will inspire you to bring your best energy to every experience and every interaction each day. In short, to become a moment maker. I'm extremely proud to share with you today my friend, John Vroman. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm very, very excited today to be here with John Vroman. John worked in Cutco for a number of years. He evolved into a position called Sales Promotion Manager, which he'll tell you a little bit about uh, one of the coolest and most interesting positions in the company. And then he branched out on his own, left the company to become a professional public speaker. He is a, an award-winning speaker on the national stage all across the United States. He is also the founder of the Front Row Foundation, uh, which is an organization that helps people with a life-threatening illness to experience the event of their choice from the front row. And uh, most recently, John is the founder and runs an organization called Front Row Dads, uh, which is a collective of entrepreneurial men all across North America who get together periodically for the purpose of becoming great fathers. 
and uh, John helps lead that group. Uh, so he wears a number of hats, and he's one of the most respected people I know in my circle of friends. John, thanks so much for taking some time to be here today. Dan, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, man. I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, and I'm, this conversation will be fun. Yeah, outstanding. So I think it would help for our audience to hear a little bit about uh, your experience in Cutco. So maybe take us back to when you first got started with the company and, and how that unfolded. Well, this is taking you to 1994, and I'm in Virginia Beach uh, at the time. My buddy Brian's, uh, his mother had seen a sign uh, that w- you know, was an advertisement for the role, and you know, I jumped at the chance to go in for the interview. And Rich Plaskin uh, was, my, Rich. was my manager at the time. Yeah, and I sat through the interview and thought this could be really cool. You know, I was searching for something that had uh, unlimited potential to earn income and yet uh, controlling my own schedule. And for those two reasons, I was all in. And that is until... This is kind of a funny story, but this is the true story of how it all unfolded was that uh, I was so interested in freedom that that I was a little taken back by the phone calls that were made to me during my first couple of days selling Cutco. You know, the checking in, how are things going? And I ended up quitting right away because I thought that's a little too much accountability for me, which is really funny. Uh, and, and in hindsight, here's what's interesting is that I really needed that, but I resisted that. And so I left. But as the summer progressed, I really knew what opportunity I'd passed up. Like I knew enough to know I'd passed up on the opportunity. So I came back to Rich and begged for my job back. And <laughs> said, uh, if you sell $1,000 a week for the next 10 weeks, he goes, I'll let you back on the team. And so I did. I sold $10,000 over the next 10 weeks and and quickly moved into an assistant manager role. Because over those 10 weeks, I really decided that I, I really wanted to help others with what I was learning and what I was doing. And that was really attractive to me. And and so that's where it all began was in Virginia Beach. And then I moved with Rich up to Northern Virginia to become his pilot manager when he was promoted. That's the beginning of the journey. Wow, that's cool that you you had such a close uh, relationship with Rich Plaskin here. He's one of the all-time greats in the company. Well, what stood out about Rich when you were brand new that, that you liked? He's a pro. You know, Rich is really like a disciplined pro. Uh, and I think that that stood out to me. Like all of us, Rich has quirks. You know, if he's listening out there, this will not be shocking, right? Like I have them, you have them. We all are interesting people in our own unique ways. And then we all have certain superpowers. And for Rich, he's a pro. The way he operated his business, the way he went about his daily routine, those were things I really admired. And you know, having somebody that was disciplined in that way at that point in my life was really good. Yeah. How old were you at this time? I was 18. Wow. So you got a chance to be around a uh, disciplined professional at an early stage of your life. And uh, yeah. I'm sure that was quite formative. Yeah. And I realized that there's an ability to be a little bit dramatic with statements like what I'm about to say, but I really believe this with my whole heart is that on the path that I was on was not a good one. The decisions I was making, uh, how I was talking to and to myself and treating myself at that time in my life was not a healthy approach. And it wasn't going to end well if I stayed on that path. When I say that I believe Rich and Cutco saved my life, maybe literally, maybe in the spirit of living fully, I do believe that this was, was an environment and were a group of people that because of how they thought and approached life, 
was the best thing that ever happened to me. And my dad would say the same thing. I remember he wrote a letter to Rich. He eventually wrote a letter to Al DiLeonardo and to people that were influential, Jean Kane, people that were a part of the journey and said, I believe that Cutco was the turning point for my son in his life. And I would agree with that 100%. Wow. That, that's amazing to hear. And thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you you mentioning that. So your path upwards in the company was an interesting one. Tell us about uh, how you ended up in the sales promotion manager role and, and what that was like. You know, I loved every position that I was in from, you know, it was rep, it was FSM, then it was pilot, then it was, uh, or it was assistant pilot, branch, district. And at the point where I was a district manager, I recognized that, you know, again, we talk about our strengths, like who we really are, what we were born to do. Ever since I was a little kid, I've been somebody who wanted to be a moment maker for other people. I mean, I tell a story about when I was nine years old that I would wake up before my parents woke up and I would make menus of like what was available for breakfast and I'd clean the house all with the goal of having them come down and say, you're awesome. Like you made our morning. You made us so happy. That's been a part of my DNA since I've been a little kid. And when I was in a district position, I looked at the sales promotion role, which is a a role of service and support for other people, uh, helping people to have great experiences, whether it's through the incentives that were created, the contests, the the rewards, all of that, you know, creating and being a host for people, if you will, but creating an environment and a place where people can thrive. That was so fitting to me. Now, what's cool is that Cutco, I think, is great at nurturing talent, right? Seeing the good in other people often before they see it in themselves. When I look back on my time with Cutco, I think about somebody like a John Kane, who came into my world at a time where he had seen something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself, wasn't able to identify or grab a hold of. And, and he said, hey, I think you would be really good for this role as sales promotion manager. And I loved John. In fact, we competed with him. When he was a manager and Rich was a manager, Ryan Trembler was a pilot for Kane. And I was the pilot for for Rich. And we went head-to-head one summer. (laughs) Uh, We lost, for the record. John Kane and Ryan won. But that was so much fun watching also the success that Kane had created. Uh, I knew I loved him as a person. Not only his results were outstanding, but how he got there was remarkable. And so when I had the opportunity to work with him, when he invited me up to participate in, or to be in this role of sales promotion manager, I just jumped at the chance. And it was the perfect fit for me. When I really checked in on my heart, it, it worked. It worked for me. Awesome. So as the SPM, you got to help create experiences for people, whether it be yeah. through incentives, contests, trips, show the love. Yeah, people, that's it. Through recognition. Make people feel like a rock star. And I recognize that was part of my purpose on this planet. It's why, you know, and skipping ahead a little bit, but it's, it's why Front Row Foundation came to be, was this idea of how do I help other people feel like a rock star? How do I shine the light on somebody else? And we can dissect that a lot. Right? <laughs> uh, who I was born to be and what experiences I had, my childhood pains that, that led me because oftentimes your pain becomes your purpose. And I was very, very short as a kid. And, you know, uh, and so I felt insignificant. And oftentimes we then want to help solve the problems where we felt pain. And so this all, all made sense. Everything was lining up. And that role for me was, it was a perfect fit. So I did the, the regional SPM role, sales promotion manager for a couple of years, but then I got recruited by John again to become the national SPM. And I did that for almost five years. Yeah. And so then at the end of that five years, there was a, a time where you decided it was an opportunity for you to branch out and do something on your own and take the leap to 
become a professional speaker? You know, can, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why you made that decision to leave the company and, and a little bit of that story? Boy, and that was a hard one too, because I love my Vector and Cutco family and still do. I mean, many of my best friends are a part of the organization now. We're a part of the organization. I have such tremendous respect and love. In fact, this is a true story. Yesterday, my buddy from Virginia Beach calls me and his son just got a job working with Cutco. And he said, oh, Hey, yeah. you know, you just got a job. And he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, ah, are you kidding me? Like, buckle up. Let me tell you, right? This is, I hope my boys work for, for sell Cutco at some point in their life. And I think that's a testament, right? Uh, in fact, I remember when Aldi Leonardo, president of Cutco, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, one of the presidents of Cutco, when his kids started selling Cutco, his first child to sell Cutco, I remember thinking, wow, it's not something he just wants other people to do. He actually wants his own kids to do this, which says a lot about your belief in an organization and the process and the training. And, and I thought, oh, that says a lot to me about how I feel about Cutco. And I want my boys to have that experience. I would truly want them to go through uh, Cutco training and become part of that team and to be surrounded by the amazing people. So anyway, a little rabbit hole there. But uh, what I will tell you is that what went into the decision was this. The more that we get to know ourselves and the more that we get clear about why we were put on this earth and what we're supposed to do, we recognize that life is often about chapters, right? Like you can go to a university mm. and you can love that university. That university taught you so much about life. But in through that, through being part of that university, you discover that you have a talent or a skill and you want to nurture that, go do something with it. You may not stay at that university indefinitely. Now, some people might, right? They become professors. And that's often like a manager in Cutco. They become a a manager in Cutco, just like somebody becomes a professor at a university or part of the staff. Then other people use that training and then they move on to do something with that skill set. And that's exactly how I viewed what had happened, where I desperately wanted to stay. I loved all the people. I loved the trips. I loved the team that we had built, the family that we had built. I also could not deny that my heart knew that Front Row Foundation was something I wanted to continue to grow. And the question was, what was best for the charity? This is a question that was driving me. And what I recognized was that while being part of Cutco was, was a big part of the charity, because the Front Row Foundation was started by and with Cutco people, right? It was a Cutco project, right? All of our friends in Cutco helped start it. But in order to really continue the evolution of that, I needed more time to devote to it, more than just evenings and weekends. And so I asked myself, what could I do professionally that would align completely and totally, that would give me the opportunities to grow Front Row Foundation? And speaking and writing was one of those paths. So that's really why I took the leap. Because Front Row Foundation started two years before I ultimately stepped away from my role of Cutco and into the role of speaking and coaching and leading and all of that. And I did it with great support by the way, from you know, John Kane. He and I talked. And in fact, he sat down and said, he goes, I do think you need to go. I actually think it's the right thing for you. And I, I, oh man, I love that, right? When somebody can say, I don't want to hold on to you just because it's selfish reasons. Like I want to hold on to you. Like I think actually this is the right thing. He said, but would you give me one more year? You know, would you give me like this next year? And I said, of course, like anything for you, dude. So we agreed and we came to a, an agreement that I would work for another year. And that's exactly what happened. And it worked out great. Took the leap. It was a tough leap. <laughs> we can talk all about that, but uh, you know, the first couple of years, starving, <laughs> struggling, uh, but eventually it took off, and so that was—I mean, gosh—that was uh, what eleven years ago. Yeah, wow, wow. And, and you become an award-winning national speaker, recognized uh, numerous times for 
your excellent contributions. Yeah, gratefully, uh, there was an award that was given three years in. I won. Um, it was a Speaker of the Year award for. The, I was in the college market at the time, right? And there's an organization that they vote on the best speakers. All the schools vote on the best speaker. And uh, when I won that award, that's when my business really took off. So yeah, I went from like paying thirty thousand dollars year one to calling myself a speaker to probably making maybe thirty thousand year two, but year three I made over a hundred grand and that's when I won that award and, and it took off from there. Oh, outstanding. That's awesome. So you've referenced Front Row Foundation. Let's take it back to when you started Front Row. Yeah. How did that evolve? You know, the short story there, because there is a longer story and and we wrote about it in the Front Row Factor book, which by the way, is a great story of the charity. And and it's really everything you can learn about living life from people who are fighting for it. So if anybody is interested, I would say that book is the best explanation in the fewest amount of words. But for this, I would just say that, you know, it started by asking myself deep questions or big questions, not my own questions, but questions that coaches had given to me about what I really wanted to do to contribute to the world. What were my greatest fears? What were my greatest loves? Where did I feel my greatest strengths and talents and passions lie? And when you look at the focal point of all those when they come together, right? When you look at that Venn diagram of where all these pieces of the puzzle unite, to me, that, that's where Front Row Foundation had started. And to be a little bit more specific, like why Front Row Foundation? I mean, the story is that I was at a concert, I was in the back row, and I saw the front row was having this amazing time. And the back row looked a little checked out. And I just thought, that's interesting. Same moment in life, two drastically different experiences. And I thought, life is different in the front row. That was the first time that the front row concept had hit me. Hmm thought about how I'd lived my life as a spectator at times in the back and other people were engaged up front. And then I thought it was not the way life works. I mean, that's my story with Cutco, right? You get around great people, you get around a great organization that thinks a certain way, that behaves a certain way, and you get swept up in that. People would say, oh, you're going to get brainwashed by Cutco. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> like, Please, right? Because I have a lot of dirty thoughts. (laughs) And, And what I mean by that is I needed a little brainwashing. I needed a little cleansing of my mind. I needed some clarity there is really what the brainwashing to me meant. And that's what happens with being in the front row of life. You get close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that light you up. And so when I realized that, I thought, how could I take that idea and help people with that? And when I thought about what I valued about life was maximizing my experiences through this world, I wouldn't want to get to the end and say, I wish I would have. And because of that, I thought I could help people who are fighting for their life to have the best day of their life. And then we can use some of this training that I've learned through Cutco and Vector about how to maximize your time and how to make the most of your experiences, how to be productive with your life. And I could teach that along the way. And that's what we did. So that's where it started. Wow. That's so cool. I love where you talked about getting close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that light you up. Yeah. Uh, that's a good summary of, uh, you know, what, uh, front row stands for. Tell us about some of the transformational experiences you've had since you've been running front row. Oh yeah. You know, the one I tell all the time, and it's just my go-to story because I realize it's very difficult for me to pick a favorite along the way, but I can tell you about an early experience that solidified my commitment to the cause. And that that's the story of Sophie, who is a four-year-old, who actually one of our Cutco alumni, and I got him John Edwin, was friends with a woman whose daughter was battling a brain tumor. And you know, the short version of the story, which again, you can learn more about where we write about her in the book, The Front Row Factor. But you know, Sophie's story was that this was very early on, this 2007, right? So we had been operating for just over a year at this point as a charity. 
And my buddy said, Hey, this little girl's really struggling. She's having a difficult time in and out of treatments, in and out of the hospital. Is there anything we could do to lift her spirit? We found out she was a really big fan of Kelly Clarkson's music. And so we went to work creating this experience for little Sophie and can't see it now, but I'm pointing at the picture on my wall that's it's two feet from me right now. And I'm looking at a picture of John Berghoff, one of your original Cutco reps, holding Sophie in this photograph with Kelly Clarkson. Now, why this event was so impactful for me, it's, you know, and again, it's limousines, it's dinner, it's the event, it's the show. But John and Mara had gotten Sophie backstage to meet Kelly Clarkson. And they took pictures and, you know, Kelly was talking to Sophie. And it was this great moment. It was that moment where I, hey, look, I felt a lot of pride winning a trophy in a push week. Although I didn't do that a lot. I wasn't a top rep. Let's be honest. Like I'll just be, <laughs> like, I, w- I was not the best rep. I was persistent and I was consistent, but I wasn't the best. But there were moments that were certainly wonderful in my role with Cutco. There are moments in my life when I've been very proud of myself or what I've done, right? Were moments where I felt a great sense of purpose. There was something very special about how I felt about being part of making this possible for this little girl. I don't know what it was, Dan, but something in my heart lit up differently than ever before. And I remember when I realized that. It was when I was telling a story about Sophie and her event at a conference, and I couldn't stop crying. I was literally in front of all my friends and family. It was a fundraiser for the charity. And I started telling the story. And it actually caught me off guard. Like I started crying to the point to where I could not continue to talk. And I actually, I remember thinking to myself, why are you so emotional about this, John? Like, I'm literally like, I'm kind of in awe of my own reaction to this and, and wondering why it felt so deep because I'd cried like that in years, if ever when I could remember that I cried like that. Hmm. And the story that I was telling was out about how she went to this event and eight weeks later, she had passed away. And that John and Mara told me that when they went to her funeral, that they had buried her with her VIP Kelly Clarkson badge around her neck. Wow. I was telling this story. I mean, I even feel myself getting emotional as I tell the story now because maybe it was the time, Dan, when I realized that life is bigger than me. It Uh wasn't just about me making moments. It wasn't about me winning the trophy or me getting into the position or me going on a trip or me doing any of these things, which I had been chasing success or significance because I wanted somebody to say, you're awesome, John Broman, right? Like you did it. You worked hard. You made it. You showed the world that you're capable. It was a moment when it was completely beyond me. It was about somebody else completely. I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't seeking the recognition. Although her mom and dad and family certainly loved on me and thanked me for the experience, but I was, they loved it more on John and Mara. I was really viewing it from afar. It was one of the times I felt like I gave, but gave completely selflessly. And I felt so good about that, that we created this moment and that I felt so good that we gave this gift to this family that I remember saying, this is why I do this work. This is why I'm committed to this work. And for 12 years, this photograph is hung on my wall. 12 years. And it's like the one photograph, I just won't take it down because it's, uh, it just reminds me not only to uh, appreciate my moments, but to help other people to make the most of their moments. You know, and that's really what this whole thing has been about. Man, that's incredible, John. Just uh, he- hearing that story, Sophie, even though I've heard you tell it a few times, like I, I could feel the emotion rising as well, just to think about giving so selflessly to someone. Yeah. And how much more reward and winning an award ourselves or the accomplishments that we have ourselves. We get so much value from that aspect of giving to other people. 
It's incredible. You've referenced the book, Front Row Factor. And I love your book, as you know. I just wrote a blog about, you know, 10 books that changed my life. And I wanted to put one book in the 10 that was written by one of my personal friends. And I have an entire section of my bookcase of books written by my personal friends. Totally. And yours was the one I chose, you know, to represent all of those in my blog. And, And I just feel like there's so much good stuff in your book. And you offer a great vision in your book of what it means to live a front row life. What are some elements of that that stand out to you? What does it mean to live a front row life? Yeah. It, and first of all, I'm deeply honored by that, Dan. And I, I shared that with you when I saw that post. I'm so grateful that you chose to share that book. And I'm also thankful to all the people that helped to make that book possible. Because that book, first of all, is everything you can learn about living life from people who are fighting for it. So without the stories of our courageous recipients, without their choices of how to live an extraordinary life, and without the big choices of all the people that have been part of Front Row Foundation and the creation and building of it, there would not have been a book. This was not a book, a collection of my amazing thoughts. (laughs) Hey, read this because I'm the most remarkable human and you all need to learn what I think. This is a book where I was an investigator and I did homework and I asked questions and I, I'm passing along. I'm a reporter of information of other brilliant and, and amazing people with a few of my own thoughts sprinkled in. But I will tell you that that book was definitely a team project and, and I'm so grateful for all the support of it. And uh, if anybody has a chance to read that book, I would just say, hey, you know, let me know because I want to celebrate that with you and with everybody else that was a part of it and, and pass along your, your thoughts. But you asked a question about what does it really mean to live a front row life? And I had to get to the spirit of that book. And I had to say it in as few words as possible. I think that the spirit of living a front row life is one where you either metaphorically or or literally step, you show up, you step up, and you speak up, right? And recognizing that's all with your current abilities, you know, to, to show up, to step up and to speak up is to live a front row life. This is a life where, first of all, the showing up part is huge. You know, showing up for people in the most important times of their life, showing up for your team, showing up for your family, showing up for your friends when they need you most. This is what it's all built around. There is no front row experience if you don't show up, right? The other part of it is when you are somebody that's willing to live in a way where you are, you know, stepping up and speaking up, you are boldly expressing what's within you to the world without, you know, I don't want to say without fear, because I think that it's okay to be afraid and do it anyway. But through fear, you still do this. That is a front row life. Because sometimes it's uncomfortable to be in the front row and standing and you're worrying if everybody can see or they're looking at you or you're whatever. There's a lot of fear, a lot of self-talk that goes into that. A lot of times we struggle to be in the moment for experiences where our brains are somewhere else. We're doing the to-do list we have to do when we get home, or how am I going to get out of this concert to beat traffic? There's so many things about living life in the front row that are wonderful metaphors for how we approach life. And when we started doing these experiences, I mean, I can actually sum up the whole book with six big ideas, six big points. and, And I can do that, I think, let's see if I can, in about 60 seconds or less. But there's something we, we call in the book, there's these three forces of a front row life. And what those are is hope for the future. And that means that what we look forward to, looking forward to the event, can often be as exciting as being at the event itself. 
the countdown to the big day. I don't know whether my kids have more fun on Christmas or the 30 days leading up to it. So hope is powerful. Mm -hmm. Celebration is powerful. Looking back and saying what worked, recognizing people. Cutco does that better than anybody. Recognizing and loving on people for accomplishments and and moments and experiences and celebration. That's a really important thing. You know, the, the year end banquets and the you know the conference of champions and all that, those are so critical to living a front row life. And then also to being in the moment, making it happen right here, right now. What are you going to do today, right, with what you have? That's what a push week is all about. It's about being in the moment, saying, "All right, this isn't about tomorrow or yesterday. This is about right now. What are we going to do?" And so those are the three forces. And then the three factors that we say, these three areas of focus that come into play when, when you live a front row life is relationships, mindset, and environment. And we could spend time dissecting each of those, but who are the people that you're around? What environment have you created? And what is that nurturing within you? And what is the mindset that you bring into those relationships and into that environment? Those three things determine the quality of somebody's life, whether or not they're living a front row life, full out, fully engaged, or somebody that's just kind of a spectator watching things happen, or they're just, they're letting the world dictate their feelings, emotions, and and moods versus being somebody who's like, I'm going to create design. That's what I would say. Wow. That was gold right there, John. So I, I like what you said first about the idea of the hope for the future and, and, and how can we be people that build hope for the future in those, the, you know, the people who are around us, our family or our coworkers, right? And building that anticipation of what's to come. And then, you know, when the moment arrives, being in the moment, living in that moment, right? Being truly engaged in that moment. That's one of the things I feel like I've learned from you is that engagement in the moment, right? And then celebration after the achievements have happened. You know, are we celebrating the achievements? Are we uh, reminding ourselves of those great times in our lives? So really good stuff right there. I view it like a pendulum. I talk often about like, I'm a visual person and like a visual aid. And I'm like, a way to check in on your life is like, imagine life is like this pendulum swinging through into the future into the past and through present moments. Nobody lives fully in the moment at all times. You can't. You have to be thinking about what's next or what just happened. So our life is like this pendulum that just swings. And we need to just check in on all three of those. How are we doing? How are we doing with visions of the future? How are we doing with looking at the past? You know, you can't live in any one of those places for too long. You just have to flow in and out of each of them. Yeah, outstanding. And then, you know, you reference relationships and mindset and environment. And this was one of the concepts that struck me from front row factor was the idea that, you know, we create our environment and then our environment helps create us. Yeah. Right. And just being really deliberate about the places I'm putting myself, the places I'm spending my time, the people I'm around. Yeah. I thought that was so valuable. Well, part of what makes a front row experience what it is, is the environment that people are in. It's getting out of the hospital and into a concert venue. It's getting away from your house and into the arena, right? This is changing your environment, changes your the feeling that you have about yourself and about your life and your experiences. And so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to match being in a stadium of 50,000 people that are all cheering for their favorite team. And you go, what makes this magical, right? Like, how do I replicate this? We say, well, what's at work? What's happening here? I mean, number one, it's like there is an environmental shift. There is no doubt that where you are, what's surrounding you is making this powerful. So that's where the idea first struck us is like, what makes a front row life? What makes a front row moment? Yeah, for sure. I I can remember seeing a friend of mine griping on social media about, you know, 
whether or not to pay two or 300 bucks to go to some sporting event that was his alma mater in some big game, you know? And I'm like, pay the money. Like, <laughs> oh, God, on, yeah. you can get the money back anytime. Yeah. Experiences like being yeah. in an event, being in a moment, you know, that those experiences are, can be lifelong memories in a lot of cases. Yeah. Whenever you have the chance, you know, you, you try to get the best seat in the house. We, and we have a saying in, in our community, which is, Hey, you don't always get to choose your seat, but you do always get to choose whether or not you have a front row experience. So you won't always be front row. I mean, as Mr. Front Row, you know, and it's tattooed on my arm. And sometimes I feel like a fraud when I'm like, you know, <laughs> 30 rows back. And, you know, I, the, the person next to me is like, nice tattoo. You know? <laughs> But we realize we don't always choose. We don't always pick our seats. We kind of get what we get sometimes, right? And, and other times we can choose and we can pick and we can design our life. And, and we should when we have those opportunities. And I've sat front row many a times and I've loved it. And we have spent the money for those tickets and I didn't regret that at all. you know. And I don't look back and say, oh, I wish I would have taken that money and, and saved it. Like, oh, those are memories and moments and I'll take them, right? But I also recognize that I can also choose the way I show up no matter what seat I get. And uh, I think that's as important as anything else, you know? Yeah. Outstanding. That's a great concept. So in the time we have remaining, let's, let's talk a little bit about front row dads, because I know cool. that, uh, this is your current pursuit and passion and, uh, and I'm a part of it. Uh, oh, John is swapping the hat, swapping the hats for those of you that are only listening, uh, swapping the front row foundation hat out for a front row dad's hat. That's right. And I know that, uh, front row dads is something I've participated in now for, uh, three years or so. And I uh, would love to hear you talk a little bit about how you hatched the idea to start this organization first. Mm. You know, so much of what I think the, the Cutco community can r- relate to is like, we're of service to the world when we help solve a problem, right? And many Cutco reps are doing that by delivering an amazing product to people that would need and use that product for the rest of their lives. And I think that we can feel really good about that. And I think it's so cool that, by the way, I'm still using my Cutco knives that I got when I was 18 and I'm 43, which is remarkable, right? So, you know, my belief and conviction in what I was doing then only has grown over the years, which is really great. But, you know, if we pay attention to the needs, our own and, and the needs of others, we can be good for the world. And what happened was I had a six year old at the time and I recognized that I was not being the dad that I wanted to be. And so I thought, well, how have I made progress in other areas of my life if I wanted to improve on anything? What would I do? And I would read and I would learn and I would go to conferences and I would get coaching and I would get in the right environment, right? That's why Cutco changed my life in the beginning was it was all about the people I was learning with. See, we're not hungry for content. We're not even hungry for information. We are all hungry for learning with and from amazing people. That's what we're hungry for. You're not going to live the most fulfilling life if you spent all of your time Googling and reading books, right? Like It's a wonderful way to learn. I learn that way and I read books and I love that, right? But what I really want to do is learn with amazing people. So when I felt like I was failing as a dad, I said, let me get my friends together. Let's have an event. Let's get together and take a break. Let's that's why I say to people, I'm like the one thing I would do if you're a Cutco rep or a, in any position is go to an event where people that are after the same thing that you are are gathering to share best practices. Like I don't care what industry you're in, I don't care what you're doing. You need people need to gather. That's what needs to happen. People need to gather. 
And I said, let's gather some people together. And so we did 2016. We got some dads together and we had a great meeting. It was a great event. It was a couple of days. We shared best practices. We all walked away with reinvigorated new ideas, uh, refined ideas. And then we put them into play and people's lives were better as a result of it. Uh, mine included. And we said, let's do this again. And that's where it really began. So I did this first because I didn't start it because I'm the world's greatest dad and the world's greatest husband and everybody needed to learn from me. I started it because I wanted help. And this is the way I like to learn. And I know other guys like to learn that that way as well. And the model has proven successful. So slowly I've transitioned where I'm doing less speaking, more front row dads. I just raised my speaking fee, which is cool. I just got my, you know, one of my biggest speaking fees ever a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And that's fun. That's kind of a cool role, by the way, that but one of the cool things about speaking is that. And I think Cutco is also a great training ground for speakers, for the record. Like all the opportunities that somebody has to stand up and share a message. If I had the chance, I would say this as advice to somebody take that microphone and give everything you can to help everybody around you be better every chance you get. That skill will serve you forever as much as anything else, as much as learning how to manage your time and sell, is that ability to share valuable information so that others will rise. And the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how can people who are listening to this, if they want to follow you or they want to learn more about Front Row Dads, they want to learn more about Front Row Foundation, how can they find out more? Yeah, um, you know, online it's frontrowfactor.com is probably the one place where you can get connected to everything from the charity to the dad stuff. You get the book there. Everything's at Front Row Factor. The book is, of course, on Amazon called The Front Row Factor Transform Your Life with the Art of Moment Making. There's also, we have a podcast, two of them. We have one called Facing Life, which used to be called Front Row Factor. We recently pivoted there and we have the Front Row Dads podcast. If you are a dad, if you know a dad, pass that along. We'd love to share the wisdom there from great guys like yourself, Dan, and, and many others who we are going to, we have, and we'll get a chance to interview for that podcast. And then also Instagram, Facebook, it's all at John Broman, J-O-N, and then Broman, V-R-O-M-A-N. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, John, as you look to the future, you know, looking out five, 10 years, what are you most excited about? Well, this <laughs> may sound a little crazy. I get that, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I think it needs to be said. I believe that we all Every single person on this planet needs to get together to rally to save the world. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart that, you know, if you look at, and, and this, I'm going to get a little on my soapbox for a brief second, but just bear with me, everybody. Don't, don't, I don't want to lose you yet, right? Bear with me. <laughs> 60 million plastic bottles are ending up in landfills every day. We are overfishing our oceans. We're depleting our soil. We are killing the atmosphere. We are the path that we are on is not one that could be sustained. Now, I'm an optimist, right? Like, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it when we change and when we grow and when we evolve and we become more conscious beings. And when we recognize that uh, we all must play a role in order to make that work, there are some wonderful leaders that I am inspired by regularly. And their advice is if we don't get it together in the next, you know, few years, our planet might have only 50 to 100 years left, right? And I say that because I feel it's my duty and my responsibility to say, yeah, go sell a bunch of knives, right? Crush it during push week. Maximize that opportunity. And let's all be at the same time conscious beings 
that take care of the planet that we are on for our generation and the next and the next, right? Like it has to be an and thing. It can't be that we only go out and crush it in business, that we only find the love of our life and that we only take care of our families at home. It has to be all of that and we all take care of the planet. So part of what I want to do, Dan, part of what inspires me is I want to focus on the dad business. But part of why I want to focus on the dad business is so that we can not only love our kids more and be better for them, but that we can do all of this as a society so that this thing sustains. That that it's not just about me getting mine during my generation, during my hundred years on this planet, but that I can be the type of person that would make sure that other people are going to have an opportunity as well that, that I've been given. That's what motivates me right now. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think that 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 sort of feeling and intention, it really comes from a respect for every individual, totally. a respect for every other living person, every other living thing. And that that level of respect is something that not everybody has. And as dads, you know, we can be teaching that to our children. And as influencers, we can be teaching that to everyone that, uh, that we come in contact with and we can create a better world. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on this journey of creating a better world with you. Yeah, man. Likewise. Just to wrap this up, John, I saw you post something recently that said you're on a podcast interview and somebody asked you, <laughs> what does the Vroman family stand for? Yeah. And I thought it'd be cool just to acknowledge you here as we finish, just to read some of the things that people said about you uh, and your family. Okay. Of course, being present with your family, creating moments. That was a recurring theme, but, uh, there were words like intentional generosity, playing full out individuality, thoughtfulness, passion, fun, love, pure connection, positivity, smiles, sharing, adventure, learning, improving, helping others, loyal, amazing mindsets, visionary, personable, unconditional love, kindness, fun, adventurous, energetic, compassionate, trying to make everyone's world a little better. There was being a unicorn in a balloon factory. (laughs) (laughs) And there was doing what you can to make a difference one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And those were just some of the things that people wrote about you and your family, John, you said something a few minutes ago about, you know, you love learning with and from amazing people. Well, I think that, uh, you know, over the last 40 minutes or so, our listeners have had a chance to learn with and from an amazing man in you. And, uh, I'm very grateful for you taking the time to, to be able to share some insights with our audience here today. Oh, thanks. That was really wonderful to receive, Dan. I, I loved hearing that. And those comments were beautifully received and uh, uh thank you that's awesome yeah awesome john have a great rest of your day oh uh, thanks man really appreciate you dan i think you can all tell why i was so excited to be able to spend some time with the great john broman the moment maker himself of course uh, he talked about that concept of moment making getting close to the people places thoughts and things that light you up he referenced that we all have superpowers and trying to think about what are your superpowers that you might be able to share with the world. And at the same time, Front Row Dads evolved out of John paying attention to his own needs. 
his own need for being better in that area of his life and seeking out ways to be able to learn with and from others in that area. Life is about chapters. And sometimes it's okay to turn the page on one chapter and enter the next. John also said, life is bigger than about me and the idea of giving selflessly to others. So as you enter the rest of your day, show up, step up, speak up, live a front row day, live a front row life. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.